0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport.
1: Powered by fans.
2: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So, the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
1: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year.
2: Welcome to the first Chelsea Fancast preview show of the season because it is Friday. The Premier League is back amongst us to irritate and fill us with joy in equal measure, no doubt. I'm Stamford Chidge, of course, and as ever, I'm joined by the, the wonderful Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Oh, I love that adjective,
0: glitch. Thank you very much indeed. Um, love to be on the show with uh, esteemed guests, uh, both of whom I could just shut up and let them talk. You know, so uh, I like that very much. Yeah, me too. So, easy
2: um... night for us. Yeah, very very easy yeah. night. Yeah. Who've we Fantastic. got? Who've we got? Well, there they are a
0: couple of you know immense stars, really. I've you know, the uh, the superb Mark Meehan, the the brain of Stamford Bridge and um, head of the uh, Supporters Trust, and. Um, uh, Brilliant writer, brilliant conversationalist. I mean, I bow down to his his charm and wit, and personality, and a very sweet bloke. And of course, journalist, journalist, superb. um As I was saying before we went on, I wrote a. You sure it's
2: copy. not some doctor in Ireland?
0: And uh, <laughs> yes, because apparently you've got a hyphen, haven't you? You've
3: got a lower what you call it underneath. Uh, um, underneath what you uh- call it. Uh, uh, I had to put the uh, the underscore. I had underscore, to put the yeah. underscore in when I first yeah. signed up for Twitter because I looked at my handle and realised that a doctor who's also a politician in Ireland, he was like the shadow health secretary or whatever, um, <laughs> already had me snookered on well, that front. I, I, called,
0: so... I called him proper chels. By the way, I called him proper chels. Maybe he
3: is. Yeah,
0: Maybe right. he is. who knows? Probably a Man United fan if he's in Ireland, though. Let's be not, 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 not necessarily.
2: Not necessarily. That's true. Anyway, no. but just
0: to you, of course it is the wonderful Liam Toomey. To me fantastic to have you on the show, Liam. Superb, thank you. Lovely.
2: No, it's great to see you all. I think I think I can safely say that our first selection of the season is strong, J.K. Oh, we've got what? a strong what? lineup. Absolutely. In,
3: infinite athletes, all of us.
2: Well, I yes, speak for yourself, uh, Liam. I, I don't think but. I. B- but, but, but what, what? Kind of
4: inf- what what kind of infinite athlete are we talking about because there are two infinite athletes are there There are do, do a google search of infinite athletes yeah. all
2: right okay i will later let's get on with yeah. the show because we've got yeah. a packed show tonight obviously we're going to have a little bit of a roundup of the news and uh fleece uh liam for all of his knowledge and brains for the next 25 minutes or so and uh then in part two, the return of the opposition view. Oh, yes. And we've, it's Liverpool, obviously, on Sunday. So we've got the lovely Tony Evans, who's been with us before, and is always very uh, insightful and entertaining in equal measure. And then uh, me, JK and Mark will preview the match coming up on the Sunday. But. Uh, um, Liam, I know it was your day off today, so I know you weren't at the presser. I, I did look at what was written, but I, 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 in a way, it's kind of nice to have a, a normal uh, kind of proper manager in charge who doesn't actually ever say anything interesting. You know, there's nothing controversial. No insight was given whatsoever. And I thought, OK, I know where we stand. Would that be a fair a fair, or a rather cynical uh, summary of the you, pro- presser? You sound like you're harking
3: back to the comforting days of Graham Potter already, Chidge. <laughs> I wouldn't
2: quite um, put it like that.
3: <laughs> no, it's like a slightly more a, a slightly more charismatic Latin twang to yeah. to Mauricio Pochettino. But um, I think he's just very experienced, isn't he? Yeah. He knows how to he he knows how to avoid answering any yeah. question he doesn't want to answer. Yeah. He's also experienced enough to let his rusty English become an obstacle at the oh, right time. Wonderful.
0: Times absolutely
3: it's a bit like manuel from forty Kit. towers
0: originally isn't it you know let's be honest yeah. you know yeah i
3: do i do think his english is genuinely a bit rusty because he was away for four years and it's un, it's a human thing that you know you don't use something for four years that you got to pick it back up again but he can also now hide behind that and there was a little bit of that in pre-season as well you could see when when questions were asked to him a little bit quickly if the question was a bit too long or if the question was just something he didn't particularly want to engage with, (laughs) he'd either say he didn't understand it or, or kind of answer a different question um, and, and pretend, you know, well, maybe not pretend, maybe genuinely answer a different question. He's doing a Nelson, Lee.
2: He's doing a Nelson. He's putting his (laughs) telescope to his eye patch rather than his, or his bad eye rather than his good eye, but fair play. Listen, let, I mean, you know, we can't start really anywhere else today Without uh, asking the question, what on earth is going on with this flaming Kaikado situation? I mean, J.K., I mean, I know you love you love all this. You're all over this like a rash, aren't you? I mean, I've been doing bits all day like, what's going on? What is going on? Do you know, J.K.?
0: Well, there was a, a story that appeared on Twitter that apparently he's he's in London expecting to sign for Chelsea. And, uh, and they've now even has reported got, on Sky. Has got his like,
2: arm out the door, like Harry Redknapp or something?
0: <laughs> he's, probably won, he's probably got a taxi and he's waiting at the... What uh, was that other guy? Peter, waiting um, the, um? waiting um, at, the, um, waiting um, at the, the gate somewhere. He's in the hotel at the, around the Harbour Club. He's near the Harbour, Harbour Club around the back there. Um, he's, got a, they, he's got a tab open he, at
3: Frankie's. <laughs> yeah, Frankie's, <laughs> yes, yeah, he's
0: probably in there, yes. But apparently on Sky, they're just saying that he doesn't want to sign for Liverpool. They've just said that whether that, but that was the that was that came up as a kind of rumor on Twitter ages ago. But now they're saying it's official. But once again, you don't know whether or not. In fact, all they've done is just parroted what they've seen on Twitter. So uh, um, it does seem a very strange state of affairs, doesn't it? Particularly with Klopp having said that you know if anybody ever offers a hundred million for a player, he thinks it's obscene and he'll retire from football. Oh, did you remember I, that? I quote, look forward to that. Game? Him and yeah. him
2: and Nadine Dorries both. <laughs>
4: Sorry, sorry, Mark Sorry, 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 uh, Mark. Yeah. I was going to say, who will resign quicker? Jürgen Klopp or Nadine Dorrez. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. indeed.
2: Um, you know, I'll, I'll get Mark's input on this in a minute, but I mean, Liam, Liam is the, uh, the journalist with us. And uh, I, I mean, we were giggling before we went on air, Liam, about this, weren't we? But did, did, can you throw any uh, sense or light on this? Well, we have heard similar
3: things that um, Caicedo has has told Liverpool uh, that he wants to join Chelsea and Brighton are also aware of this fact. Um, I think more broadly what we've seen over the last 24 to 36 hours is a fog of panic that makes neither big club involved in this look particularly good. Mm. Because you know that there, there, there was a fair bit of there was a fair bit of spin i saw from the liverpool side of things when when it became clear that they had the highest bid and had this pathway to an agreement with brighton that oh they've they've outstrategized and outmaneuvered chelsea and it's, well paying 110 million pounds is not strategizing especially doing it in mid august when that price would have been enough to get caicedo 2 months ago uh, it's actually more than Brighton would have taken two months ago because they've been they've been asking for a hundred million all summer. Um and then from the Chelsea side, you know, their approach to this deal for weeks now has been strange. You know, we we have been getting the impression of confidence from from their side that that a deal could be done on their terms for Caicedo and the bids that they submitted reflected that confidence 70 70 million 75 million 80 million and there seemed to be no basis for that confidence coming from brighton's side because chelsea have dealt with brighton plenty at this point they know how brighton sell how they they don't budge from their valuations they either sell on their terms at their price or they don't sell and arsenal found that with carcido in january um now i think it's less it, it was always less tenable for brighton to price caicedo out of a dream move for the second window running but it's clear that that chelsea made a, a big a, a really important calculation that they felt brighton would have to come to them at least a little bit the price and Because something unforeseen has happened, which is Liverpool acting in a way that is very unlike Liverpool, if you look at the way that they've acted in the last few few years, that has proven to be an epic miscalculation um, because Liverpool have suddenly decided they need a six. Maybe the sales of Fabinho and Henderson have fed into that and changed the financial calculation for them but they've decided to try and blow Chelsea out of the water and Chelsea are scrambling now and the one thing that they've been able to hang on to is that they did all of this legwork with Caicedo and his people um to convince him to that that Chelsea was the place for him and that seems to be holding now that seems to be the only thing that's holding in Chelsea's favour I don't get the impression that that Brighton are overjoyed by the prospect of dealing with having to deal with Chelsea again I think they were they were very very happy to draw a line under this and sell to Liverpool but now we're in a situation where I think Brighton and Chelsea will have to get round a table if not literally then you know a, a Zoom or WhatsApp table uh, and work this out to make Caicedo a Chelsea player but again it will be on Brighton's price because it always is
2: it's absolutely mental mark um you know we've been saying it for a long long time now we desperately need a a proper defensive midfielder Kaikado's a good player of that there is no doubt but brighton bought him for 4 million a year before last and he's played one season in the premier league are we are we doing what we have to do to really address a massive issue for us or are we getting our pants pulled
4: f- firmly down we don't know you know that that's the bottom line you know You can ignore all the in the knows and all the experts on Twitter. He's only had one season in the Premier League. If you asked me three or four months ago at the end of that wonderful season we had last year, having watched Brighton twice last season, which of the Brighton players I would have gone for? I'd have gone for McAllister all day long. But clearly, Liverpool were in quick and, and snapped him up. We've been here before last year. Brighton are superb negotiators. They did a fine job with us last year and making us pay over the odds of Kukurea. And we could be in the same situation now. If it turns out that he proves to be, as you've just pointed out, what we badly need. It will be a remarkable piece of business. Because that's the midfield then sorted for sort of several years to come. But if he turns out to be another Kukurea and we don't know. This could be an unmitigated disaster that actually will rebound uh, on the administration because this has been the only game in town all summer, and it's a bit late in the day to be actually offering the money that Brighton wanted almost like six weeks ago, two months ago. Yes, it might be part of the negotiation, but Liam's absolutely right. We've been down here with Bright before. We know how they play, and they play hardball. If you want their player, you're going to have to pay what they want, and we've been trying to negotiate to get him for a lesser price. Don't get me wrong. I think 100 million-plus for a player is absolutely ridiculous. But it's so late in the day now. We will, by the sound of things, pay an absolutely record breaking fee to get a player that's only got one year's experience in the Premier League. And I know people talk about an English Premier League price, etc. If we were going to spend a hundred million and we all set aside a budget for a hundred million at the end of last season, maybe he wouldn't have come This I'd have gone for Declan Rice all day long. Yeah, well that's the other thing. And yet his about. stats, his stats are fantastic aren't they that's the well, reason we, they're in but, for it jk we don't do stats remember stats is ass gravy we <laughs> don't do stats we don't we leave I'm that looking, to people i'm in looking the for a, for a jk sort of you've you changed yeah. jk
2: you've you changed know,
4: i have gone over no. to the dark side <laughs> no, no i haven't gone over to the dark side i'm just
0: trying to i'm trying to find a reason for him being the, the golden fleece you know i'm I, I want i want him to be the, the answer to our problems because at the moment it appears to be that we noticed at the end of uh, last season hmm, what they definitely need is a striker, uh, um, a midfield player, and a goalkeeper. And at the moment we haven't got any of those.
2: Well, if you don't include Sanchez, of course. Well, <laughs> yeah.
4: And it is it, it is it is potentially, you know, if we get the deal over line, it could be an absolutely brilliant player. Yeah, we don't but know. As you say, as you say, the the I've noticed people
0: are calling. Cucurella cucumber now. Oh yeah, the man's in. I'll 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 give way. I'll give way
2: to the
3: <laughs> No, no, no. I was just I was just putting my hand up to speak when no, you'd no. finished, JK. I didn't
2: want no, to. No, please, no, That's no, why no, I put no, my no. hand up. Don't discourage it. I it's I a good out. start to the season thus yeah.
3: far. <laughs> um Mark Mark oh, yeah. was right to to mention rice. Basically, going into this summer, the consensus within the the, the transfer market was that there were two elite number sixes potentially available like mm. specialist defensive midfielders rice and caicedo um and it was clear for months before the end of the season that rice was going to go to arsenal because they they had done the legwork they had several advantages over chelsea champions league football was one of them yeah. um i think the whole mount situation didn't help chelsea's cause given mountain and rice's relationship and so I think it's probably some of the feedback he got about Chelsea through back channels. Um, so Rice wasn't unfortunately an option for Chelsea this summer as he might have been in previous years. They also looked at Manuel Ugarte from Sporting, who's another number six, who I, I don't think was regarded in that bracket and that was reflected in his price. He was he was going for about half as much. Um, and Chelsea went for him, got gazumped by PSG. Um, so now from that moment, they made Caicedo their top priority, but they, it, it was very clear to everyone, including Brighton, that Caicedo was their their top priority and that there was no real alternative. You right. know, all the other names that are being mentioned, like if they signed Tyler Adams for 20 million, for example, he could be, he could be, a, he could have been a very good squad player for Chelsea. It won't happen now, but, um, but he's not regarded as anywhere near in the same class or having the same upside yeah. as Caicedo because he's
2: he's already older. On, on that point, Liam, if Chelsea don't if they don't get this over the line, it, it surely has to be seen as a massive fail. It's a
3: big problem. It's a big. Well, it's a it's a failure of of transfer market strategy, certainly, um, because he was your number one target, and any time you miss out on your number one target, let alone to a rival, it's it's a bad look. Um, but it's also a big problem on the pitch because having been out in the US, I watched the way Pochettino is trying to set this team up. And while there were some promising signs and some green shoots in terms of what he's doing and the fitness and the the atmosphere, everyone pulling together and so on, the number six position is a problem. Yeah, you know, he's tried to he's tried to play Conor Gallagher there, um, Andre Santos. Even he is not really a specialist defensive midfielder. His background in Brazil was far more box to box. Um, but he's just the most number six ish mm. of these players that they've got. And now they signed Leslie Agachukwu, who's another one who has some sort of number six properties, but is a has been more of a box to box player. Romeo Lavia, bit more of a box to box player who can Enzo Fernandez. So, yeah, well that and that's the key is that the reason why they want a specialist defensive midfielder is to partner with Enzo and and sort of be the Matic to his Fabregas, you know, allow him to operate a bit higher up the pitch. I feel like Enzo uh, tried to drop a hint to everyone by taking the number eight shirt this year. You know, he wants to play a bit higher up and be a bit more of an advanced playmaker and he can be more impactful in that role. But He's had to play, and Lampard said this towards the end of last season, he's had to play in that deepest position because Chelsea had no one else to play it. So that's why they've placed such a premium on Caicedo. But they've clearly got it wrong with the pacing and the sizing of their bids. And Liverpool's intervention looks like it's it's going to make them pay an even higher price than they otherwise might have had to. And they haven't been able to get him in early enough to assimilate him with the team to give him a proper pre-season he's not been training for brighton every day trying to force this through so it's all just very messy yeah
0: it is indeed mark you want it come... one of the most damning things surely Liam. sure that's one of the most damning things that they didn't think in terms of well let's pay this amount of money they're not going to budge from this to get him into the team as soon as possible i just find that absolutely bizarre that that yeah.
3: well that that arsenal oh. made the opposite calculation with declan rice didn't they 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 calculated that west ham weren't going to budge and that they should just pay to get exactly. their number one target in. Um, and you saw Rice look pretty good in the community shield yeah. already. He looks like he's ready to hit the ground running in that team. Indeed. That that can be the benefit of a preseason. season um, And I, and it's not always possible to get guys in exactly Indeed. when you want them to. But if you have the kind of money that Chelsea do, you you, you can do it for
4: the players you really well, want most.
2: Exactly that. I mean, Mark, you wanted to come in.
4: I was gonna come in, Liam. And actually you mentioned the play I was gonna ask a question about because there's two deals that are gonna get done before the end of the transfer window. Lavia is one and Casado is the other. What we don't know is which club those two players will end up at. Now, for most of the summer, we've been after Casado and rumour has it that Liverpool have been after, you know, Lavia. But in the last few days that changed. And I, I, yeah, is there any sort of spec? That what actually changed? Because Liverpool were not in for Casado, not in. Did Chelsea go for Lavia to try and sort of say it bright and make your mind up? But by doing that, has actually jolted Liverpool and saying, "Hang on a minute, we're going to go for Casado as a retaliatory act."
3: I think there was a bit of game playing going on between mm. Chelsea and Liverpool with those two players. Yeah, um, and and Chelsea. Chelsea suddenly going in for Lavia, I think was part of that once once they got uh, a sense that uh, Liverpool were actually in for Caicedo albeit
4: quietly or, so we don't or, or, we don't have the Ken Bates. we don't have Ken Bates and Alan Sugar to say you can have Teddy Sheringham and I'll have Robert Fleck <laughs> <laughs> oh shit
2: what a horrible thought yeah
4: <laughs> um, but the, the the thing is
3: Chelsea have liked both players for a long time, we've you know they they bid for Lavia in pre, I think it was in January. Mm. Uh, no, actually, last summer they bid for Lavia uh, immediately after he scored against them. Of course, uh, for Sa- mm. for Southampton. So it's they all stats they based, have, you see, Liam. Well, they have they've liked him for a long time. They've also got someone inside the club in Joe Shields who yeah, knows true. Romeo Lavia just about true. better than anyone yeah, yeah, because he's true. he he ha- he had him at Manchester City. He was with him at yeah, Southampton. Yeah. I think he'll be. He's probably one of his biggest advocates at Cobham,
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, but, but he's someone that uh, is really
4: highly regarded within the game, which is why Liverpool want him too. Yeah, yeah. But if we didn't get Casado, the but we went for Laver instead. By the sound of things, that's not necessarily a best fit with Fernandes and Lavia midfield, then because it doesn't allow Fernandes to do what he'd like to do.
3: He's not a specialist number six, no. and he's also not as polished as um caicedo so there's a yeah. positional element to it but there's also the fact that lavi is just not quite as ready to be mm, a, yeah. a a week-to-week starter in in a team looking to be at the top of the league
2: get caicedo is the order of the day then uh liam we've got we got to go in a minute but before before we go and i we haven't seen you for what seems like a long long long, long time of course we you had the big summer break um you know, we we've had a just over a year of the new regime, uh, the Boli, Bollywood or Bollywood, if you prefer. Um, what 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 are your thoughts on the new regime? Blimey, um, he's only got two how minutes. long have I got to answer this? Yeah, <laughs> uh,
3: I don't know. I think they they've got they've got big intentions, um, the scale of which. I don't think we're immediately clear. they took over the club and they've tried to do everything very very quickly and last season there was a lot of pain in part because of that because of the amount of change not just with uh, all the you know all the focus on the playing squad and the number of players bought and sold and it is eye watering when you when you look at it all in all on one list um but It's the change across the club, every single department. Um, They've basically remade Chelsea in 12 months and it's far too soon to know whether they've remade Chelsea for the better or the worse. It was obviously for the worse last year, but last year was, I think, completely written off because of the destabilising change. Now, I think I'm almost more interested in what happens in the next year of Bowley Clear Lake ownership because there won't, they can't. There, this pattern of of constant change can't carry on. I mean, I, I know that was part of the baked in model of the Abramovich era, but the change was kind of overrated under Abramovich in that it was basically just the coach coming in and out. Yeah. A lot of everything else stayed the same. Really, yeah. the squad sort of evolved slowly, and and the staff around the players was. There were loads of people there for many, many years under Abramovich. Um, So the churn has to stop, I think, and a signalling that it will. Um, and and if it does, then we'll get a proper chance to see what talent they've assembled and what kind of team they can build. I I I think they've made a lot of mistakes. They've had they've done a lot of learning in the first year publicly and and at times painfully but I do think they've also uh albeit maybe belatedly got the coaching appointment right I I think Pochettino is is a very capable man to have in charge for this particular type of job a sort of club building culture setting job he's one of the best people in the world to do that I think and as long as he's allowed to get on with it I think there should be um grounds for optimism about Chelsea on the pitch in the short term you think santos will play tomorrow instead of um, connor well we had to simon and i picked our teams and I, I picked gallagher purely because that's what pochettino did against dortmund and then said he said after that game that he he picked the team that he thought could play in the premier league so that made me think he was going to go with gallagher and, and enzo um but in terms of stylistic fit yeah santos He's probably slightly better because we've we've seen Gallagher struggle as a as a number 6 before it's not really his best position. He's in the in
0: that game he seemed to be quite stifled playing further back in fact because he was playing Yeah, Enzo ended up on the right wing on several occasions which I was intrigued by. But um but uh, yes it he he did he did capably, but I I worries me that that's clearly not his position at all, is it, for Connor? I mean, you know, Con- yeah, Connor can you be do, you've gotta take your hat off. He has a go whenever he's asked to do something. He does it with energy. But it he it's that moment when he starts resembling somebody who doesn't quite know what he's up to that I, I slightly fear for his future with the club, you know.
3: So Well, I th- I think if Caicedo and Lavia come in. I mean, we've been we've been getting messages all summer that Gallagher is, you know, they'll listen for offers to him for him. I think if they if they sign Caicedo and Lavia for 160 million combined, it it certainly feels like Gallagher will be the one to make way. And
0: quickly, do you think that um, uh, there's any any possibility that Pochettino will realise that Sterling is contributing nothing and will uh, will sell him? Will we'll suggest he gets sold, or do you think he'll just come in on the bench all the, from the bench all the time? Because he can't possibly play him from the beginning. Because in in the uh, the pre-season he he had moments of I think touch the ball five times in one of the halves he was on. He just stands there with his hand up, or or gets lost, doesn't get involved, or yeah, runs to opponents. You know, it's it's absolutely bizarre. You know.
3: I thought he was I thought he was in the in the same bracket as Cookarea with preseason performance and that's not yeah. a bracket you want to be in. Um I more, more hinged in bracket, will,
2: I think, really.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think Pochettino will base his selection on performance and training. Um and more broadly, I know for a fact there are people inside Chelsea watching Sterling very closely this season because he's the highest earner in the squad. And he's also on a contract that was given out before um, the Boley and, and Clear Lake established this new, you know, lower base salary incentivized <clears throat> structure. So he, he's almost on more of an Abramovich era contract. And those are the contracts that Boley and Clearlake have been very aggressive in trying to get out and, okay. um, and so, it, if Sterling has to up his performance to, to try and justify that salary, as much as anything, um, because he was he was like the franchise signing of the first summer. I remember them doing the the you know the the photo shoot in Beverly Hills in preseason. They made a big song and dance that so this guy's a champion and, and everything. And I predicted he'd be uh, top scorer last year.
0: More fool me.
3: I well, I think well. it was only a goal or two off, yeah. but the well, bar was really low. <laughs> well, indeed. Well,
2: you know, let's I think we
4: uh, weren't far off J.K. So. Yeah,
2: he wasn't indeed. Um, we, we have to go sadly. Liam, um lovely to have you on our first kind of proper show of the season. Lovely to see you again. I hope we get to see you a lot more this season. It's always an absolute delight and a pleasure to have you on, as you well know.
3: Always a pleasure to talk to you guys. Thank you, mate. Well speak soon. Yeah. Good to see you, Liam. Lovely, yeah. there we go. The Good wonderful
2: to the wonderful Liam Toomey from the Athletic. Uh, Go and get your copy now, even if it's digitally, because uh, there's some usually really good articles there. Now, quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we've got The Opposition View with the wonderful Tony Evans. See you in a sec.
1: Real
5: fans, real opinions.
1: I'm Jason Cundy. And you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chels.
2: Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I'm, of course, Stanford Chidge and I've got the uh, wonderful Jonathan Kidd and uh, Mark Meehan with us. Lovely to be on the show too. Lovely Thank you. to see you. Uh, and now it's time for this. The Opposition View. Yes, that's right. The uh, very welcome uh, and well overdue return of the opposition view, uh, largely because I was far too lazy and depressed last season to bother to phone up people I know to get to, get them to talk about us, about, to talk to us about their club. But I've, I've got a new lease of life this season. So I'm, I'm going to start hot and we're starting very hot tonight because I'm absolutely delighted to say we've got back with us the fantastic Tony Evans, football writer and formerly of The Farm, of course, which we discussed with you last time, I recall, Tony.
5: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, I, it's it's one of those things which <laughs> haunts me. And, and since then, actually, uh, I've had a novel published. Love you. And um, and the lead sing, uh, the, the the main character in it is the uh, is a singer songwriter. And there's an album of work, non farm work, that I have from the '80s, which written and recorded, which goes with it. So I mean, it's uh, I'll send it to you. Yeah, do you, know, you, you might enjoy it. It's um, does it mention Chelsea in it? It may well do briefly. It's not a football novel but... in a bad way, Tony. Chelsea in a bad way or a good way? Well, it's um, whenever we went in the eighties to Chelsea, it was always a bad way. You know, it, uh, <laughs> a, a, a tough place to go, a tough place to go, and we didn't get a lot of results there. Obviously, we didn't. Um, but it's not a football novel. But it, it, tangentially. You know anything you write about Liverpool that happens in the eighties needs a little bit of football, but it's about bigger themes than that. You know, one of them. But anyway, it's um, as the you know, it's is it uh... it comes with a with its own soundtrack. Uh, you sell well, you sell digital songs with it with with the now, novel. Well, the, the publishers didn't kind of grasp <laughs> what what they had. So what happens is people buy the novel, and I send them the songs. Ah. <laughs> I love Absolutely
2: it, brilliant! Yeah. I love it, I love
5: it. How, how do you get hold of
4: the novel, Tony? Uh, Where's but, it, you, it
5: through? Yeah. Uh, it's it's a publisher called Northodox. It's called Good Guys Lost, and it's it, it's very political. It, as I say, it's less. Uh, it, it, there's hardly any football in it, um, but you know you can get it in all good bookshops and and all bad ones like Amazon. <laughs>
4: brilliant look so out like for you, that kids. all good bookshops all bad bookshops like amazon yeah, yeah. that's right i know that's i've right. heard that before
2: yeah yeah with this podcast you can get this podcast on all good podcast platforms and amazon exactly that yeah yeah exactly right we uh we should talk about some football shouldn't we tony um kind of kick off really with where we finished i mean you know how, how disappointing you know was missing out on top four for liverpool i mean you ended up fifth it was a funny old season not quite as funny as our old season it has to be said but i by your standards, I would have thought a bit disappointing, really.
5: Very disappointing. I mean, you know, after hitting the bar on the quadruple the year before, mm. to underperform so badly was... I, I i don't think any of us expected it. And um, so, yeah, it was very, very disappointing. And there, there were loads of reasons why. I mean, the team got old. I think Klopp is... Um, too much power has been centred on him. And he mm. hasn't responded too well to the pressure. He can be he can be a little bit excitable. you can um <laughs> yeah you know it's um and and so yeah so it's all built up um and this pre-season hasn't exactly been ideal but what for me really interests me is what's happened at the bridge because I mean I lived through the takeover by the Americans Family Sports Group and saw what they did at Anfield when they first come in, and it was like, we're cleverer than the rest of the league. Everyone, everyone in the Premier League's stupid. You know what? We're going to run rings around them. And next week, next thing, we had the pants down, yeah. you know, it's, uh, and the pockets picked. And that's gone on at the bridge as well, hasn't it? Yeah.
2: Must be an American thing, Tony.
5: <laughs> yeah, it, it is. The arrogance, the, the, the belief that they are much cleverer than people in the football world in certainly in England is amazing. And they soon learn the lessons. Unfortunately, it sets your club back by, Oh,
2: two or three years, yeah no well that that I mean, we just had Liam Toomey on who you you probably know of uh in one shape well, of, yeah, yeah, where to it, Liam well, there you go, yeah exactly yes. and I mean he was, we haven't seen Liam for a while, and I asked him what he thought of the new regime he said, well, you know i I don't really know, and and it is too early to tell, but I think there is a lot of fear amongst the supporters that some of the damage that they 've inflicted over the last year, exactly as you said, it could set us back two or three years, I mean. We've put, we're we putting a lot of hope in uh, Pochettino, who I, who I rate very highly. So you never know. And they are splashing the cash. Mark.
4: Tony, in terms of pockets picks, uh, looking obviously at the news today about Kisado, um, and where he might end up. We, uh, I don't think anyone's got any idea whether it'll be at Liverpool or Chelsea. What's the reaction so far in Liverpool yeah, with the early morning
5: news that yeah, he, the deal was going Liverpool's way, but it might have changed since? Well, interestingly enough, one of my contacts at Brighton texted me yesterday and said, you know, be careful, this agent is dangerous, he's poison. And I was like, oh, okay. So I woke up this morning to the news that, oh, he's going to sign for Liverpool. And then all of a sudden there's a flip-flop. You know, Hmm. I I have mixed feelings about agents uh, because you've got to do your best for your clients. But it looks like he's going to try and shaft both of our clubs. And um, and you know what? More power to him. But like, what gets me? He's a holding midfielder essentially. When did you start paying like over a hundred million for holding midfielders? When was Declan Rice worth this money? I mean, you know. All right, I'm old, but like, it, it's always seemed to me that that role you could you could work players into. You know, all you need is discipline, a bit of intelligence. Uh, You know, obviously mobility, and all of a sudden we're all like paying over a hundred million for this role, and I'm like, is he worth it? Will he change games? Will he Will he make the difference between winning and losing? I'm not so sure he will. But is that his role,
0: though, Tony? Is that isn't he just there to mop things up and then spread the ball around to those who then change the game? Isn't that the role of a defensive midfielder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ultimately, yeah, yeah. But, yeah he, he, but he's not there to win the game. He's going to cement the game for the rest of them. Fernandez yeah. is supposed to be the the the, the game changer. Yeah, uh, yeah. Whoever the other but... midfield and the other forward is, so uh, it was going to be in Kunku, but at the moment it's
5: not. So yeah, and and, and injury is a big blow, you know, to one them. But you know, is is it worth that money? Could you not have you not got players in your squad who can adapt to that sort of role? I I I I don't get it. I don't get why all of a sudden it's trendy to pay so much money. I don't get the Declan Rice deal. I really don't. I've watched him many times. You know, obviously based in London, go over to West Ham. You watch him, and everyone's going, "Oh, he's wonderful, isn't he?" And I'm like, uh, "He's all right."
2: <laughs> but that that you know, football's changed, Tony. That's. I mean, I, I have this. I have this not argument, but discussion. Would you believe with Kerry Dixon a lot. Who, who, like you, and I think like a lot of people of our kind of generation, you know, I, I'm not interested in, 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 in what he calls destroyers. You know, I'm interested in people who score... Well, Kerry would be interested in people who score goals. But, you know, that's where you win games. That, in his day, you spent your money on people who were going to score you goals, which won you games. So it is hard to get your head around why... I mean, look, there's no no doubt at all that if, if either Liverpool or Chelsea cough up £110 million quid for Kaikado... It's an obscenely ridiculous amount of money for a player who plays in the middle of the park and actually has only had one season in the Premier League. But then you say, "Who set that bar?" Well, uh, that was us last year when we paid 120 million for Enzo Fernandez. I mean, what's that all about? So you know, it's it's insane, and I, there's no there's no making sense of this at all. I think.
5: Oh, in in many ways, I think what the new American owners have done. The way they've spent at Chelsea is actually worse than when Abramovich come in. You know, everyone talks about Abramovich and like, um, and changing the nature of the transfer market, per, you know, paying so much for players. But he bought quality players yeah. who actually did change games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. these new American owners, they're buying. Uh, frankly, you know, they should have sent me to scout them. I'd be like, uh, you know, twenty quid, mate.
2: <laughs> yeah well we shall see <laughs> they've got some sort of a plan um look let's talk about Liverpool because you've lost a lot of players um we we deliberately got rid of a lot of players because we had far too bloody many of them but you lost Firmino, Milner, Naby Cater, Oakley Chamberlain, Fabinho and Jordan Henderson um and you've brought in McAllister and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna love the pronunciation of this I'm sure
5: I'm gonna get it wrong Jabosley from Leipzig no nope. nope. that's pretty that's pretty good is you that too- why? Yeah, you do know that uh, there is an injunction uh, imposed on me where I can't attempt to pronounce foreign players' I names.
2: I was ho- I was hoping to tease it out of you, you know, just by proving that it can be done. But you know, you've brought a few in. I mean, McAllister. We were talking earlier on, actually, that you know, if you're talking about a defensive midfielder from Brighton, McAllister was the one to go for, not Cukado. K- so you've done well there. I know nothing about Chabosley at all. But are you, a bit, are you a bit light? I mean, you know, I I think the fact that you're going in for Kajkoda tells us that you are a bit light in midfield. But have you got concerns about the defence as well? I mean, I think you're still looking good up front with Salah, Jota and Diaz up there. But midfield defence? Yeah. I, defense.
5: yeah the, and last year, all we talked about was the midfield. And there were real issues there. They got old together and the mobility was lacking. But they didn't expect... Obviously, the Saudi raids on the club and Henderson and Fabinho to go. Um, it was probably about the right time that both of them left. You probably would have wanted another year out of Fabinho and see whether the last season was an aberration rather than, you know, uh, part of his de- decline. But it, it's left the midfield short. I mean, essentially, a minibus full of midfielders has left, you know, it's um, and... A lot of them didn't contribute, but you do need the squad. And early on in the window, the two signings, yeah, I think everyone was feeling very, very positive about it. And then the Saudis arrived. The What's happened in the last day or two has the whiff of a panic buy about it. You know, they, they were talking about Lavier. They, they didn't really want to pay 50 million, you know, 45, 46. And you're like, you know, if you fancy him, buy him. It's one of them, and then all of a sudden, you go for Caicedo, you know, and you think to yourself, "What's this all about?" Um, I, I clearly they are short-handed. They're short-handed in the field, short-handed in defence. Probably as strong as an attack in terms of personnel as Liverpool have ever had. There's been better players, better combinations, but they've got five attackers where you go, "Oh yeah, you know, you'd be quite happy playing them." but uh you know I have real concerns about the back four and if they get injuries and we don't know what we're going to get from the midfield because it's going to be so different from last year
0: yeah it is is he still going to carry on playing Jones and Elliot because they're quite decent players aren't they didn't they come come good as the season went on I yeah Jones had
5: a very good season in the end jo- Jones had a good finish to the season yeah um and the, the concern I have for both Jones and Elliott, I'm not entirely sure what the positions are. Both of them are fundamentally attacking players, and they're expected to. to Klopp's midfield during the successful period was, well, you, you can't think about it in, in terms of traditional midfield because they were there. You know, we, we, I grew up in players getting up and down the pitch and scoring. Liverpool got very few goals from the midfield. What they were there to do was to screen the defence, to allow the wing-backs to get forward, to to press. They were essentially a defensive unit. And I don't think Jones and Elliott are designed for that sort of thing. So I think... They need to change the approach a little bit. Also, I think they need to change the approach because a lot of teams have worked out how to stop the wing backs, and um, so. But also, do you do you think it's also
0: that they've they've they've, they've got slightly older as well, and I think they're not quite as quick as they were. Um, uh, both um, Robertson, who I thought was wonderful um, several seasons ago, and he, he's he's not quite the player that he was. I just wonder whether they have a shelf life for the amount of running that they do. You know, the actual fact, it's, it's, it's just, uh, it would be nice to know. I'm not allowed to say this anymore. Nice to know their stats, wouldn't it? It'd be nice <laughs> to know. what. Uh, it'd, it'd be nice to know whether, what their fitness levels are. Cause, um, cause I never thought that uh, Terrence, um, Trent Darby, as we call him on this show, I never, <laughs> that, I never thought that he was uh, uh, as good a defender as he could have been, fantastic attacker, as would... Well, I thought Robertson was the real deal. Robertson's a great player. But mm. um, I just felt the last season, he just seemed to be not out of puff, but not quite on it. But was that because of the general malaise of the side because the side wasn't playing as well or was it that the, the midfielders weren't contributing I and mean, what you said about Jones and Elliott were for me watching them is they're both very buzzy players and it it makes sense to me if they're supposed to be defensive they're not the players for that setup and that really all, almost gives me an idea why he wants to buy Kaikido because you know he's got them in front of him he then has him just just in front of the defense so well, it might make sense as to why they want this to a defensive midfielder, because he's got these really competent, energetic Absolutely. youths, you know, who who give it that level of of uh, of energy. I mean, the whole process of being ultimately a, a really energetic pressing side, which is what Liverpool were in 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 their in, when they won the the Champions League. Uh, it it I, I feel, think it's really difficult for sides to maintain that. Unless you've got other people coming through, it has to be really worked out. Right, you've got to do it for 45 minutes. Somebody else comes on. And the problem is in the squad that you then get somebody else comes on. It isn't the, quite the same standard. Whereas Elliot, for me, and Jones were all, I kept thinking, they're really at it. They look they look as if they're going to improve. But perhaps they do need this this somebody, slightly more structured environment that a defensive mid- midfield, midfielder would, would provide. And uh, and is there anybody coming through wingback wise other than, than 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 Trent Arnold and uh, and Robertson because they're they're a really tough act to follow those two,
5: yeah. Well, that's the worrying thing because there isn't. There isn't. And I mean, no. the, and the, the one thing about Klopp is people love to you know sort of write history retrospectively and you know make it you know oh yeah, going to have this great plan, and he didn't. You know, the reality is he didn't fancy Andy Robertson at first. Where He didn't play him until December, really. Yeah. You know, he played Marine, Marine, Moreno in front of him. Yeah. And, like, you know, that's a joke. And the thing is, the, the wing-back thing happens organically. And I, I, I think it's reached the point, personally, where they need to take a step back and say, we can't do this anymore in the way we've been doing it. Uh, he was very lucky in that the midfield. Again, it's, you know, you talk about Henderson. That you know the the best midfield: Henderson, Wayne, and, and Fabinho. You know, Fabino, They um, none of them were attacking players really at that stage in the career. They covered space and they allowed the, the movements. You're not going to get that again. Even McAllister, who you know is. He can play the the defensive role, and he did for Argentina. But he's also, you know, more talented going forward. Um, I, I I think they're going to have to take a a step back and wear different tactics. Mm,
2: interesting stuff. Um, you know, I just very interesting to hear what you said about Klopp there, and I, I suspect you know, like, so I think you could say that for many clubs. They all think they have a plan, but actually, half of it's by luck, not design. Hmm. Um, I mean, Klopp. Klopp looked a bit fed up last season, from from you know where I was sitting and and, and looking at the situation. He's been there what seven years now at Liverpool, Tony. Um, eight, eight years, right? I mean, how, up on how how long do you think he's got left? I mean, I am not I am not for one minute suggesting that Liverpool might might boot him out, but you know, it's really intense. What what managers like Klopp, Pep Guardiola, all the top managers do. It's it you know it it it's it's unsustainable in a way. There has to be a time when they say you know enough's enough. So um, how long do you think we got
5: with Klopp in charge? The owners love him. He's got a contract of twenty six, and he's energized at the moment. He's um during the the, the pandemic he was really down. I, I think many of us thought he'd walk away. You know he, his his mother died of COVID. He hated. The, the game in empty stadiums and he's um he, he, he's a great character and when you talk to him he's you know he said to me once when I, when I was interviewing him he said you know if if i wasn't a manager if i wouldn't have been a footballer he said i'd be in, i'd be at the match he said you know i just love football i love being in the crowd he said like um you know he said i couldn't stand anymore because my knees are gone i'd have to sit down but you know i'd be an I know the feeling yeah, exactly, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. And um, but he, he he does have that love of the game, and he he doesn't want his final years at Liverpool to be trophyless. He's desperate to win another trophy, so he's energized at the moment. As I say, the owners are enthralled to him; they love him. However, Kenny Dalglish once said to me, he said, "Every manager is only eight games away from the sack." You know, you go on a bad run. He said, like, you know, the owners love you. Everyone's great. The crowd love you. You lose their games. He said, everyone hates you. He said, like, and I think if Liverpool start the season like the majority of last season was, and he finished with a an unbeaten run, a bit of an underwhelming, unbeaten run, to be honest. But, like, you know, if, if, this season goes the way of last season, I think there'll be increasing pressure, and I suspect it'd be more likely that Jürgen would walk rather than push him. But the Americans, American owners, are ruthless. They love you one minute, and boom, you've gone the next. I mean, you saw how ruthless they were at Chelsea.
2: Well, indeed, I think again that was more by that was more haplessness than anything else, really, because I still don't think they have a plan. I mean, they actually boxed themselves into a massive corner last year. I mean, you know, you have got to be at your nuts to sack Tuchel, which they did, and they bring Potter in, which was a massive gamble. But he probably—I mean, we were all saying by you know by by just about the time when the World Cup started, so when it all finished in November, we we could see that he wasn't going to work. We could all see it. They waited until
5: April before they gave them the tin tax. So, well, what? What? What stunned me is, and you saw it in all the media. Everyone was going, "Oh, it's brilliant watching Chelsea." They changed the system three or four times the game. You know, Potter's, and I'm like, "Is this supposed to be good?" No, am like, not It was beyond words.
2: It was. I mean, we we've had some funny old seasons, as, I'm, as, I, as I know you know. I mean, the Sarri season sticks in the mind for some of the most turgid football I've had to witness at the Bridge in the in the kind of the you know this century. But honestly, it was just it was just clueless, and it and it looked clueless. He looked out of his depth. That whole everything about it looked like it was clueless.
5: Yeah, the the horror stories that were coming out of there, you know, because you know what it's like. Everyone talks. Everyone, you know tells you stuff and yeah the, the rumors and it was like oh good lord and i felt sorry for potter because it was a
2: he's a decent man
5: it, yeah yeah and 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 the job was was way too big for him and and, and to be honest there were certain jobs that you, you you say to yourself who can do them you know it's um tottenham for example you know <laughs> Who's going to be successful at Tottenham? I don't know because the place is such a mess. <laughs> and the thing is, the, the one thing I'd be positive about, I've got a lot of time for Pochettino, because yeah. um, I um, I'm friendly with Nicola Cortese, who brought him over to Southampton, and you know so it of was, and, and what I saw very close up where he did at Southampton, and then where he did at Tottenham, but he's he's worked at an even more dysfunctional club than Chelsea. So he at least has a chance. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, as did Tuchel, of course. I mean, it was a blessed relief coming from PSG to Chelsea, and that's
5: saying something, isn't it? Yeah. Well, why would you sack Tuchel? I, I, I you know, um, you know, yeah, you can be a difficult character. All, all managers can be difficult, but he was doing a fantastic job. Yeah. yeah. And you know, and if you look at the, the, you know, the points he took before he got sacked, without them. Yeah you know, extrapolate potters to the beginning of the season. And, you know, I'm not quite down with Everton, but, you know, I mean...
2: We we, we reckon if we'd have had another 10 games, we'd have gone down. Yeah. You know, that
5: was the form. And and, and what is amazing is you might say they've bought badly and they've bought in a scattergun manner, but there is an awful lot of talent at Chelsea. Mm. It needs harnessing. And I think... It will take Pochettino a, a time, a period to come to terms with the squad and to get the the sort of, to get the players he wants and the sort of mentality he likes. I mean, he's very old school. He's he's a terrible man for, if you're not in as, um, you know, if, if if you're not in favour, he'll ignore you, you know, like managers used to do. And, and you know, mo- most don't do it anymore because we live in a different world. But, you know, he, he can be do that, he, he can be like that and that can alienate people in the squad and make people unhappy but you know what, the one thing all you need to do is win yeah. and everyone's everyone's happy again.
2: Yeah, exactly right, which kind of brings us nicely to uh, to really what we think might happen, I think actually both really Tony, you know, how do you think Liverpool season might go and, and how do you think it's going to go on Sunday?
5: I think Liverpool has score a lot of goals because they've got a great front line. I think um, it will take a little bit of time for the midfield to bet in, and the defence will be a little bit up and down. And they can't really afford injuries in that back four. You know, the, 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 the first um, choice back four looked pretty good. An injury and the drop off is amazing. So I think Liverpool concede more goals but we'll score more goals this season. And at this stage, I think the, you know, certainly you can't talk about winning the title. You know, that's not on the table. Uh, it's it's about getting back into the top four, and that's really important. And um, uh, until the end of the transfer window, I'm not certain whether they will. At the moment, I'm thinking, no. Oh, still feels about fifth place mm. squads um that might be overly negative uh on sunday i think the last four games between us have been nil nil draws this ain't going to be nil nil
2: you sure about that
5: uh, I'm, uh, yeah i'm oh yeah i i bet money on that i think there's going to be quite a few goals okay. and i think Liv- I, I think in this case liverpool will score more because mm. they've got firepower and what um they'll win tony yeah, I think they probably will. Oh, okay. That's usually
4: how it works, Jake, Thank you?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Not bad for the only sober one amongst us, I think. To be fair, you
4: know? so you yeah, I mean,
2: it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it, it, seems, it seems unfathomable to me that actually, you know, I can't remember how many matches it goes back now, but there's, there have been an awful lot of nil-nil draws between Liverpool and Chelsea. Uh, home and away, and and of course at Wembley, and it, it cannot go on. I've actually gone for a one-one myself. I've gone one better, but uh, um it. I mean, this is the great thing. About, that's what I love actually about the beginning of the season. You have no clue what's going to turn up in front of you on Sunday.
5: Not a yeah. I, I I was saying that to someone today. You know, they were asking me, "Oh, you know, what what do you think of you know the the games this weekend?" And I'm like, "I've no idea." It's you know that's the best thing about the beginning of the season and there are so many possibilities and for one day at least you can dream Kurt. Aha,
2: well yeah it lasts about you know 90 minutes and then we go back to reality do you, it may do you, not do you, last 90 minutes well, well yeah there is that there is that do you, do you get up to Anfield much these days
5: not as much as I'd like to um, you know I've been in London now well, I've come down to work for Chelsea as you know yeah. and I've been in London since 1997 Um Come down to where Hunter can, um, and so uh, you know, my mother died a, a, a couple of years well, this well, actually last year, and it means I haven't got a base at home. You know, when I, when I go up there now, I have to book into a hotel, yeah. it feels it's weird, it doesn't feel yeah. like home, yeah. Yeah. and um, so yeah, I don't get home as much as I'd like to. Uh, I, you know, I do see a lot of you know, Liverpool and London clubs, which which is brilliant, you know, it's um uh that's one of the great things about being in london you know so many i mean i'm only i'm in pimlico so i'm only what 2 miles from the bridge you know i can be at arsenal in 15 minutes on the tube you know it's uh, oh. so i so you know i get to see them down here and i get to see a lot of london clubs um and you know i so i can't complain no
2: no it's great isn't it um, Tony, you've been absolutely fantastic, as you always are. It's always, it's always a joy to have you on the show, and I hope we'll see you again uh, come the new year when, when we've got you up there. And uh, next time I'm in my old manor of Pimlico, uh, I will not be as shy next time, and I will go and buy you a pint
5: in our favourite pub. Yeah, well, the thing is, you know, a drink with Chelsea fans. I, I didn't know time. that
2: until you told me in the email. I could believe I would yeah, have butted in if know, I'd have known.
5: Yeah, you know, and then, like, when I told me mates, he was like... Oh, watch the show all the time. I would have loved it.
2: <laughs> Absolutely stunning. Fantastic. Tony, um, enjoy your season. Enjoy the weekend. Have a couple of pints in the cast for me and uh, we'll catch up soon, I hope.
5: I'll see you soon.
4: Lovely. Cheers, well Tony. Done, Tony. Lovely to meet you. you.
2: Brilliant. There you go. Fantastic Tony Evans, football writer, massive Liverpool fan and a damn fine bloke as well. And uh, we are going to go for a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to tell you what we think about what might happen on Sunday against Liverpool. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18+, plus. serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you follow a big team like Chelsea, one of the most frustrating things is not being able to get a ticket for the match, especially when it's away and not live on TV in the UK. What can you do? Get updates from your mates? Follow online commentary? Listen to the radio? Let's face it, it's not the same as actually watching the match live, is it? NordVPN have the solution to every football supporter's match day problems when they can't watch the match live. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. It's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash chelsea fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee and you'll help support the Chelsea fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box.
1: Fans, real opinions I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast Proper Chelsea.
3: Football
2: Welcome back to uh, the Chelsea Fancast Friday Night preview show. I am Stanford Chidge and I have with me the delightful Mr. Jonathan Kidd. I've to be on the show, I haven't said anything, but I think that's a good thing. And the well, no, not necessarily. But I mean, we were in the we were in the company of of, of greater minds a minute ago. No, that's ago. why I mean. That.
0: Yeah. But other than saying that, I worked out that uh, Tony thought that Liverpool would beat us. Which was yes. quite because he thought they'd score more. Well, I, I expect
2: would... nothing less. I mean, you know, I, I don't expect opposition supporters to come on saying well, you're going to whip our asses on. Although some have, some have in the past. Yeah, and and then and then found themselves. Um... Just in it for Coutinho, wasn't it?
0: He, he uh, just in last Justin, year said he yeah. Liverpool would lose. Uh, sorry, Villa would lose. Yeah. And, uh, they won, didn't they? They beat us. I know. Yeah. We've
2: also got the absolutely fantastic Mr Mark Meehan, who, as Jonathan said earlier on, is the chairman of the Chelsea Supporters Trust. He is a brilliant author. He writes for CFC UK. And
4: he is quite literally fab. And he's loving being on the first Chelsea fan cast preview of the season. And again, I thought Tony was great. But there's no way, God's green earth, a scouser would come on and actually predict his team would lose. No, it would. Be it's wrong. just not in them. Predict a draw, though. It couldn't he, would. He,
2: it it would be. Nah, wrong. nah, nah. No, nah. I mean I wouldn't nah. do it. I mean, I, I nah. mean, e- nah. even if I thought we were going to get our asses handed to us, if I was on a on an opposition podcast, I'd still say Chelsea were going to win.
4: Yeah, he wouldn't tell you wouldn't say your team would lose. That's what you
2: do. Right, yeah. quick, uh, quick shout out, uh, because, uh, I mean, this is the bit where we're going to preview uh, the Chelsea-Liverpool game, obviously. But there's a couple of things we need to do first. One of them is to tell you that, uh, of course, it's the first game of the season on Sunday, which means one thing. It means that CFC UK is back. Mark is holding a copy. He's had his in the post earlier than me.
4: Postman has been. It's well, very good. I always get
2: mine after the bloody f- I Might get it tomorrow. Anyway, it's got a no, lovely picture I have of to mo- say,
4: Go on. I get it last normally. Dude. And I normally get it after you do. So, oh, whether, okay. whether, whether, whether my postman hasn't read it this season and just delivered it, you know, I've actually got it early. And I have to say, I've read it most of it already. And I don't want to give it to you. It's, it's, a, it's a really good, balanced issue. And I don't think I'm telling any tales out of school. But Pat Nevin is writing now for CFC. No Bible. way. Yes
0: way.
2: Right. No it is, way.
4: It is an absolutely cracking article about the eighty-three, eighty-four even. Is my, uh, is my article oh, next to Pat? So Do I get that close to uh, Pat? Uh, oh, let's ha- let's ha- let's have a look. Who's the lucky person that is next door to Pat? Um, or unlucky uh, person if you realise that Pat's a. Oh yeah, actually, 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 it's like it's like yeah, it's like Van Halen coming on before Black Sabbath, like yeah. you know, yeah, that sort of thing. So. Um, well, it's it's because I normally go to this article first. It's a bit like Ken Bates's column in the program. I normally go to Tim Rolls's article oh. first because it's centre pages. So you, basically, what you've got is you've got Pat's article, then you've got Tim's article. Who, who comes before? Got, who comes before Pat? Uh, an advert. Yeah. Well, okay. And, who and, comes and, before and, the advert? Mr. Worrell. Oh right. Okay. I see and who becomes question. Mr. Worrell? Mr. Meehan. Yeah. And it's who becomes well, Mr. Meehan? Mr. Otten. Yeah, you've got some big hitters in this issue. Obviously, obviously I'm
2: right at the back
4: then, right? Well, that's made it Are you yeah. sure you're in it, Chidge? No, oh, oh, he, he, he's in it. And I will tell you, it's called World Champs to World Chumps. I'm yes. not sure what that possibly could be about. But, you know, I'll, I will read the rest of it this evening. I'm halfway through it. And it's very, Pat's article is absolutely right. brilliant. Well, and it's balance in there as well. Mason Mount's transfer is in there, and I think there's a real balance point on that as well. It's a really good first issue. Well, there you well go. Well, I to want to Buy I'm, it on Sunday, people.
2: Well, indeed, and you can do that if you're at the match. Of course, you can do it in person. You can go over to the CFC UK stall opposite Fulham Broadway, uh, the kind of main entrance to the to the kind of shopping centre slash tube. Uh, so you can go and buy it from uh, Dave and Marco. You probably see Mark there. I'm usually hanging about. Loads of loads of characters. Chuckles, of course, the wonderful Jason loads of people hanging around there um if you can't do that i mean you know not everybody can get to the matches as we know do not panic you can actually subscribe to the best fanzine in the entire world by emailing fanzine at dot and a subscription will cost you 20 quid a year in the uk 45 quid in europe 60 quid for the rest of the world uh and you get a hard copy sent to you in the post now you you can also have it digitally you don't have to have the hard copy if you don't want to And a digital subscription where you get it emailed to you as a PDF will cost you six quid a year or a pound each, of course. Uh, And you can pay via PayPal, but you need to email fanzine at cfcuk.net first. Now, while we're on the subject of uh, flogging worthwhile Chelsea entities, um, I would highly recommend that you go and buy yourself a Chelsea pitch owner's share. Because if you do that, it means you'll have a share of the freehold of the stadium which technically protects it from being sold to a property developer, for example, in the future, and it will ensure that football is played at Stamford Bridge, our spiritual home forever. Unless, of course, the Chelsea pitch owners who own the pitch and also own the name Chelsea decide that it's a good idea to move it up the road and agree to it. But either way, the spirit of it is the point, that, that spiritually we play our football in that manner, and that's what the CPO does. So... Uh, If you want to get a share, it's about 110 quid for an electronic share, so one that's emailed to you, and you can pay up to about 175 quid for a a share that's been signed by a Chelsea player. Uh, I I recommend you go and buy one, and you do it soon. Right, Uh, to do that, go to the Chelsea main website, chelseafc.com, and search for Chelsea Pitch Owners. Now, we are going to talk about the Liverpool game, I promise you, Um, but as we've got Mark on, who, as I said a minute ago, he's the uh, chairman of the Supporters' Trust, uh, he's also, uh, when I said he was fab, I meant it literally as well as metaphorically because he is also one of the first uh, chosen fan advisory board members. I don't know if you know much about that, but there is it's like a shadow board uh, to the club made up of uh, key supporters. Neil Beard is a great mate of ours, is also on there, as is Mark, and a few other people that some of us who listen to the show may know. So, you know, Mark Mark, Mark has his finger right on the pulse of what's going on. But returning to the Chelsea Supporters Trust, we've just released something very important this week, which are the results of our ticketing survey, which try and address a lot of issues like loyalty points uh ticket prices the uh, you know the virtual waiting room, the ticketing exchange, the away ticket allocation things that really grind a lot of match goers gears, and I have to be honest with you never ever have any simple solutions or answers but uh, when when I spoke to Mark about him being on the show he said Chidge, Chid Chidge, chid, can I talk about the ticketing survey and I said of course you can Mark so here we go over to you.
4: Thank you very much Chidge, and a massive thank you to everybody who took part in the annual Supporters Trust ticketing survey as Chidge has said if people haven't yet seen it we published the results of the survey quite recently it's on the Chelsea Supporters Trust website. It's also been tweeted on social media. And thanks to the 256,000 people who have read the tweet so far, and the 7,000 people who've gone onto the website looking at the results of the survey, it's really important that people don't just look at the social media, they actually go into the website, make the time, make the effort. It is 27 pages long, but a lot of Chelsea fans who are members of the trust have taken the time and the trouble to fill out the survey because Ticketing is such a complicated and controversial at the best of times. So I think it's really important that that many people as possible did complete the survey and they did because the number of memberships, um, quite common knowledge, we've got currently 95,000 members and at any one home game, those people, and she just made reference to it, battle through the virtual wind-up room as it's affectionately known. At any one time, there's only five to 6,000 general admission tickets available. So there's always a mismatch between demand and supply. And we've asked a lot of questions in the survey centered around really much about 12 themes. So there's questions around season ticket holders, there's questions about being a member and the value of the membership because people are paying a minimum of 35 pounds. But if there's only 5,000 tickets and 95,000 people, never the trend shall actually meet. So there's lots of issues around membership. Is it membership value for money? People sort of saying they're not going to ruin the membership because they didn't get any tickets last season. There's a real issue and a real challenge um, for our disabled supporters. You know, some real challenges on a match day basis that we continue to have a dialogue with the club over. And actually, five percent of the respondees that responded you know to the survey uh, were were disabled members in some some form, whether ambulant or semi-ambulant. Um, the virtual waiting room uh, did attract. Uh, Uh, A lot of comments, because we allow people a chance to provide um, comments in the survey form, and I'll come back to that. The ability to select a ticket uh, is something a lot of sports feel strongly on, and a number of clubs obviously operate a select-your-own-seat policy. Now, I appreciate there's only 5,000 seats, but nonetheless, there's a strong view from our supporters. They actually like to choose choose where they sit, because in the modern day and age, if you go to a concert, you should be able to do so. Uh, There's questions around concession pricing. Uh, concession price in both for junior supporters and also around um, older supporters if they can't attend game and obviously we've asked the question because it can't be done at present moment in time that if you can't attend the game you can't transfer that ticket to uh, a normal um, adult member paying fan even though it means extra income from the club so that's not something that currently happens the ticket exchange we asked questions on and a lot of positive responses around the ticket exchange loyalty points as Chidge has mentioned uh, and I'll probably stop here and mention loyalty points. And this is why it's really important that people read the survey and don't just read social media. Because if you read social media when the, the survey was first issued and read it last week and the results published, some people have interpreted this as advocating balloting from the trust's point of view. You could not be more wrong. If you read the survey, 70% when people we asked a question about loyalty, 70% of people that responded said they wanted to continue with some form of loyalty point scheme. And actually we also asked a question and people made suggestion of what type of loyalty scheme they'd like to see. Is it still based on one year? Some have suggested one year, some have suggested one to two years, some have suggested three years. We have asked a question about if you didn't have a loyalty scheme, what option would you be? 8% of people said they wanted a balance. But then, if you read social media, you think we we advocate balloting. And then the final point as well was we asked if there was a ballot, what type of ballot would be in terms of ticket being for So that's the question we really talked about ballot. This survey does not advocate balloting, and we know there's all like strong feelings about. So please, 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 please don't just read on social media. Take the time and trouble to read the questions and read and read the answers. Away season tickets. Strong feeling that the away season tickets should remain from a lot of people that responded to the survey. Um, th- those people are the ones that create the atmosphere at away games every week. And the final ones are secondary ticketing and mobile ticketing. Strong things about going digital and the opportunity to have mo- mobile ticketing. Um, so people respond to that. Secondary ticketing got the biggest response of the whole survey because we actually have taken the time and the trouble to go through all of the comments that people made. And again, thank you for providing those comments. And here's, here's a bit of a league table. Of all those 12 themes, the theme that got the most responses back from the membership was firstly secondary ticketing, second, no surprise there, the virtual waiting room, and third was loyalty points. Real strong feeling about the people who took the time and trouble to respond to the survey about secondary ticketing. Those websites, people know who they are livefootballtickets.co, etc., etc., StubHub that people get frustrated, not just because they can't get a ticket, but no sooner than the virtual waiting room tickets sell out, in no time at all, those tickets appear and are made available on these website extortion pricing, also known as touting. So really strong feelings and very strong responses from a lot of members and season ticket holders about strong lines that they would support about the club taking action if season ticket holders or members have found to be selling tickets, you know, at highly inflated prices. And that, you know, it's it's quite surprising to me. people really felt straight. It's a really you know passionate response from a lot of people and obviously an expectation very much about you know what the club will do about this. What we have done again, if you've read the survey, we've made 10 recommendations or action points to Chelsea Football Club working out of this survey. I'm not going to go into Diet as with do all night, but what I can say is. As well as having that survey available on the chelsea Supports trust website that survey and not just the survey the comments people said in their survey if you take the time to so put the comments in we haven't posted that on the website because it's just a massive file um we share that with the club we think it's really important that the club see feel and hear um the response to our annual, annual ticket survey so it's been sent into the club they have seen it and obviously we wait to hear any feedback but i think tickets it's going to be an ongoing situation throughout the season. The virtual waiting room you know, is sold out very quickly on the first game so far. And again, I, I, I thank people that responded and took some trouble. We will continue to have dialogue with the club and its officials around ticketing over the course of the next nine months because we know it's such an emotive subject for many supports because many with the best intention through the virtual waiting room just can't succeed in getting tickets. And that causes a hell of a lot of frustration when they see Ticket 10 available website for £500. Pounds.
2: Well done, Mark. And <clears throat> more to the point, well done on all the fine work uh, that you do uh, in your capacity uh, as the chairman of the trust, but also the Chelsea Supporters Trust, but also on the fan advisory board. We're very lucky to have an advocate for supporters as fine and knowledgeable and with as long a memory as you. But with a brain like that as well. Chief. I know. With all that fish food. You know yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, without getting into a protracted discussion about it, um because we need to kind of move on with uh, with the old preview and stuff, but it it does seem inevitable that the only way we might begin to resolve half of the ticketing problems is by having a bigger stadium
4: oh correct yeah thats that's anyway, but you're not going to have a bigger stadium anytime soon because no. again the, the other bit of news that has happened over the summer which obviously we will take a, a keen interest in because I, I hope all supporters would as well, is that Stoll have gone out to consultation on accepting an offer from Chelsea to buy the great majority of the land besides Stamford Bridge. Now, that consultation is in place. We have to let that take its course and that consultation will complete on the 20th of September and then the Stoll trustees will make a decision whether they sell to Chelsea or not. If we work on the basis that they chose to sell the Chelsea, but we don't know that for definite yet because that decision has not been made. It's still going to take some time for that process to go through because you have to understand there are people living in those homes and they have to find new homes, and that will take time. So that could take up to several years, and so nothing is going to happen anytime soon about moving to bigger stadium. So 100%. we are at Stamford Bridge for quite a bit period of time to come. And even if they move towards a development plan, there's lots of questions and answers still to be asked and still to be answered. Is that with a view to developing this stadium
0: rather than buying somewhere else? Is that the idea of buying the, the stole land or is that uh, once they've got if, it, is that for, for an ulterior motive?
4: If you ask me as the eternal optimist that I am, JK, my hope will be that they are making a purchase of that land to expand the stadium at Stamford Bridge to keep Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. That's our spiritual home and has been since 1905. However, what the club will say is they will continue to keep all other options available. Yeah. Open. Absolutely. But from from my point of view, I would hope that's the reason behind it. Yeah, definitely.
2: Well, we'll keep a a close eye on all of that. And I mean, one of the lovely things is, I mean, you know, obviously I'm still on the board, but uh, in a bit more of a back seat these days. Um, Marks the chairman. Dan's still very active on the trust, so uh, I hope that we can, you know, bring you what's going on with the trust, uh, really from the, you know, from the front line, as it were, uh, quite regularly on the show this season. We will certainly pay a lot of attention to that, but maybe, only maybe, not quite as much attention uh, as we will to this, which, of course, is everybody's favourite moment of the fancast during the week which is Chidge's team selection, isn't, isn't it, J.K.? I mean, look, J.K.'s almost oh, chizzed in his pants of at that. the show.
0: Oh, oh, I've been asleep up until now. I know, but... I know.
2: Oh, oh Chidge. Shall I reveal? Yes. I mean, interestingly enough, J.K., you will recognise this team because it's the team that you and I discussed on Monday.
0: Yeah, that makes great sense. Yeah, it I saw it on Monday, didn't I? Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, so uh, it is Kepa in goal. It's a 4-2-3-1, because judging from pre-season, this is how Pochettino likes to play. So Kepa in goal, uh, Colwell, uh, sorry, uh, Chilwell, Silver, Colwell, James across the back four. Uh, uh, Fernandez, and I think Gallagher uh, is the two in midfield, even though Gallagher is not mass- massively suitable for it, but there you go. Uh, and then we'll have Mudrick on the left, Chukwemeka in the middle, as a kind of a 10 and Sterling uh, on the right, because of course Maduecki is injured. And of course, so is Nkuku, which is very, very disappointing. We'll talk a bit about Nkuku in a minute, uh, which leaves uh, my, my new favorite player, Jackson, Nicholas Jackson up front uh, as the number nine. Um, I mean, we discussed it a little bit uh, preemptively, didn't we, on Monday, but, that's pretty much the team he selected against Dortmund and we all know that the team that you select in your last pre-season is pretty much with a view to, to who you're going to start against in the first, you know, whoever you start against the next uh, in the first Premier League match. So I'm not really shaking up too many trees by picking that, I don't think, JK.
0: Um, it's it's what he played against Borussia Dortmund and um, uh, Mudrick would have to come in for Nkunku. I thought Mudrick Played pretty well against Borussia. The thing about Mudrick is he gives you so many alternatives because he is lightning. he's such a he's what he's
5: what
0: yes yes Grease lightning Grease he he lightning <laughs> he's um he's Billy Wiz, as I keep saying he um and you compare him with the uh, I don't even want to say his name on the right there St- 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 oh God I'm going to be sick um Sterling's just he's on he's really on he's on a Um, Borrowed time. Yeah, that's exactly the phrase I was looking for and failing to discover. Thank you, thank you, O'Brain, for filling in for me. Um, Yeah, completely on borrowed time. Well, I would think he is because he can't have, you know, he he can't have failed to notice that in that opening, opening forty-five minutes. When he was put through on his own, and he ran like like similarly, he ran as quickly as he possibly could. Each pass he delivered was always behind the player, which is something that amazes me. When you've had all this experience and you played for England, um, and you are the supposedly marquee player on three hundred and fifty thousand a week, but um, it, I, I really hope that if he puts in it, displays as feeble as he did on um, uh, on the preseason, other than. The last one where he looked a little bit more clued in that he just doesn't pick him and he'll he'll, he'll bring him on occasionally as a sub. Having said that, though, who do you then play on the right? Um, given that Matson, yeah, uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely, that's what you'd have to do. Yeah, yeah, and Matson has revealed himself as being a a very versatile player indeed. Because of course, when he started with the Blues, he was a left back. Um, but you know, and I like to say I spotted his speed. He just—he was so quick when he played in that League Cup game. But he played left back, um, and obviously um, uh, he could substitute for Chilwell if necessary. And James has got a very good uh, substitute in Mucho Gusto. Um, but um, I'm intrigued as to as to how it's going to work out because they played they played such a different, energized form of football um, on the preseason. You just thought, well. Even if they, even if this isn't the final team it's going to be, and they're going to buy a new goalkeeper, a new centre forward supposedly, and a new midfielder, um, I think there are some players here who could do pretty well this season. Um, uh, I, I think it, the, the the jury is out on who plays that that uh, on the right hand side in midfield. I think he may start with Santos actually, but I think you're right, Judge. I think he'll start with Gallagher. Yeah. Because um, I think I agree completely. That
4: is the team he will choose.
2: Mm, well, we shall see. Mark, well, what do you reckon about all of that?
4: I would agree 100%. I, I think this is the only likely team at the present moment in time. I think the only likelihood, and a question I was going to ask is: miracle of miracles, if they actually manage to buy a player tonight, is it too late for them to play Sunday? Yeah. Yeah. Expect the fitness, I, I would say probably. I think it is. But from a registration point yeah. of view, they have to be registered now, is it forty-eight hours before. But they yeah. tend not
0: to want to do that anyway, do they, Chidge? They always want to make them uh, put them on as a sub if they're going yeah. to bring them.
4: On. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would say yes, I agree, hundred percent. I think the only surprise factor might be would he play Sanchez instead of Keppel. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, that would be a bit left field, and
4: that—that's that, it. It's so yeah. possibly a left field. And again, Matson. I think the only thing worrying me about Matson, and I agree, he's a terrific player. Is there a risk that Matson may go out on loan? So if he goes out and he doesn't even form part of the squad. I'd I'd have him in there. I think he's a great great player, great well, I prospect. think I think
2: the the the, the messaging that, that we've, you know, been seeing is very much that uh, Pochettino's been really impressed by what he's what he's seen with Mats yeah. and and therefore yeah. he forms part of his plans. But the worrying thing underneath all that is what Pochettino wants and likes and is not necessarily shared by Winstanley Stanley and the other It may I mean. not
4: be his decision. Win Stanley concern. and Stewart and Stanley and Shute, that famous firm of solicitors,
2: they, they do sound like a firm of solicitors, you, don't they?
0: Ultimately, if if Sterling isn't any good, it ought to be Mudweke who comes in, doesn't it? So we well, yeah, if, if he's yeah. fit enough. But he's not. Fit or or, or
2: Kunku, you know, and Kunku can play anywhere no, across. He, he could play so,
0: anywhere, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but he, I just think
4: he's thinking, going to be out for a while.
0: Yeah. But I oh, think yeah. this is this is a great opportunity
4: for Mudweke. I really do. Yeah, it's I agree. All, it's, I would say also it's a great opportunity for Sterling now. He's <laughs> well, it's the only opportunity now. He has to deliver this season. He does. Uh, he's probably. He's probably. He must be the highest-paid player there. Clearly, since he's come in, they've negotiated a different kind of contract. For <clears throat> any players' contracts they renewed since, um, they are on a lesser salary now, especially because they're not in the Champions League. And Sterling falls outside <laughs> of that, so he has to be on his game this season. I think more, even
0: less than this season, I think in the opening six games. He's
4: yeah, done. yeah, he's got to make a great start. He really yeah. has to make a great start you know, the I, first six six to 10 games. He's going
2: to have to be... Um, I'm sorry, I've got a very tickly throat, so excuse me for one second. <coughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> Gone on Bob Fleming. Bob Fleming, yes. yes. I know. Um, there's a couple of things that I would, would add to all of this. I think, I think we, we need to think about, um, you know, the loss that is in Kunku in a creative aspect because whilst I think Chukwameka is a good player, I'm not convinced that I'm I'm not convinced that we have a a truly creative player operating in the kind of the, 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 the attacking midfield slash front line to really cause teams a lot of damage. But the other the other thing I wanted to talk about is, you know, who partners Enzo Fernandez. Now we know that they're hoping to get Kaikado in if they don't get Kaikado it might well be Lavia or whatever. Uh, we know Olyse
0: as well, isn't there? Olise from uh, Palace. I don't think he's a
2: defensive midfielder, though.
0: No, no, no. But, sorry, but he's, he's
2: another player. That I think you're bringing. Yeah, in, yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah. But, um, you know, we all want Gallagher to stay. We love Gallagher. We also recognize that he is not a number six. Um, now, my good friend, John Gordon, uh, fellow Gate resident, uh, Gate 17 resident. Um, he and I have been thinking along the same lines. He texted me this week, this week. But uh, funnily enough, I've been thinking about this for a while, too which is in the absence of uh, a number six in midfield, a ball winner, a destroyer, but a destroyer who can pass the ball beautifully and get around the pitch. Um, Why, why, why don't we put James in that position, who played uh, for Wigan, uh, and put Mucho Gusto in as the right-back? Because we know he's good. I think he looks good. I mean, I was very impressed with what I saw in pre-season. And John was saying that. I, I agree wholeheartedly with John. I was thinking much the same myself. But what do you think, JK?
0: I think that's a, a very good call, as they say.
2: But, um. <laughs> particularly, um, well, you know, the other thing, JK, your point that you made on Monday was your concern about James's ability to get up and down the pitch, particularly as a right back. Because, you know, he's had a lot of injuries. It does seem, you know, there is a risk there. Whereas if he's played I felt he was below par in the last yeah. two games. Well dude. if he's if he's in more of a holding role, then he's not having to get up and down the pitch a lot. But it, and
0: also I think being in a four, you're not actually using his huge potential because when he's in a five and plays winger, he's outstanding. And the crosses he get across well, let's have I think it's a suck it and see, but will have to see how he plays in a four. Um you know, Gusto will be on the be on the bench, and if he's not performing up to the right level, he'll. Despite him being captain, despite him having been chosen as skipper by uh, by Pochettino, I think he'll 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 bring the changes. Um,
4: That's going. Jake, I was going to say. But to be honest, I only watched the Fulham game, and I know you watch all of the preseason friendlies, and I know it's not real because substitutions every five minutes. But absolutely. yeah, my, my only thought would be actually. Last season, both Potter and even Frank, to a certain degree, used up all five subs continually. I'm, I'm not sure, you know, what Pochettino's previous history is. Is he Does he keep the same 11 or, you know, use the last 10 minutes the, or does well, he always I, use all his subs?
0: Yeah. The impression I got, that yeah. because they they play the essential, the, the kind of Tommy tuchel, 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 tuchel. tuchel thing of, of pressing everybody out towards the touchline. Which was 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 in abundance in all of the games, even the Wrexham game. They couldn't get the ball because they just pushed them out, and and then passed the ball really slickly. You can only do that for a certain amount of time before you get knackered. And I wonder whether you know it's forty-five minutes is a, is what you do, and then he replaces them. So I'll, I'll be intrigued to see at what stage he starts to bring on all five subs because I think he will use. I think using all five subs is something that they do. They will. Every team will do now because of the intensity involved in the whole process. And but we were also so, so much more intense, Mark. It was just... Yeah,
4: but but also we've seen at the last weekend that the new regulations come in, you've got first half lasting seven minutes and second half lasting 10, 10 minutes, 17 minutes long, which is good, it's good. So people are seeing more football and there's long game plan to discourage time wasting. But within that, if you use five subs, that's you know, 30 seconds each one. So again, I found you know pet fascinating, moaning about it. But at the same time, he utilises his substitute. So actually, you don't want to do it. Don't use your subs. Got you it both ways, mate. <laughs> it's But <laughs> good... um, I think what will start happening though
0: is once the coaches appreciate that all time wasting will be just added on, is the players will stop time wasting because they're not going to gain
4: an advantage from it. It becomes meaningful. I'd love. I'd love to think that. My only concern is. Will this just fade away in a couple of months' time? Well, like yeah. it did at the World
0: Cup. Well, Howard like Webb has apparently Cup. come in and said, I am going to be um, applying all the laws that haven't been applied properly. That's that's what he's been saying. But we've heard this before, haven't we? And as you say, Chidge, it started off wonderfully in the, in the World Cup when you got 12 minutes and 13 minutes and every every uh, Argentinian goal that was celebrated with a three-minute um, um, victory parade round the pitch was just added on, but slowly but surely, as it got towards the final, it was three and four minutes again. Yeah, exactly.
6: So,
2: but, you, know, you know what the theory about that? On TV, TV. Is yeah. It? Well, that, they were. That's what they reckon. They reckon the TV companies put pressure on them. Yeah. So, um, and you know, who runs the game? Who pays for the well, game? Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Not the supporters. No. And not the clubs either. It's the clubs. It's the T yeah. V.
0: Um and can I just say yeah, quickly yeah. that one thing that came out of the um the the bizarre press conference because as as uh, Liam said, um he's got to improve his English because there was lots of ho 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 moments and you just thought he hasn't understood that or he, he doesn't know what to say or he's deliberately not <laughs> not to, choosing to, to reply to this, was that they've changed the side of the dugout that the yeah that Chelsea are going to be in. And um, so we're now on the right. And he said, I think there's a bit more room. But I don't I, I don't know what that's all about. I didn't realise there was more room in one dugout than the other. And somebody posted wonderfully on Twitter on X um, that they'll be nearer the MHL. And you, then it was revealed all these thousands of people who had clearly never been to Stamford Bridge had no idea what MHL was.
2: Oh. <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. Now, um, we also need to talk a little bit about I mean, I mentioned it earlier, didn't I, JK? Um, I think Nkunku is, uh, I mean, we don't really know how good he is yet, but my my guts are that he's a huge loss for 16 weeks because I think he was, you know, he's he's the player that plays off the number nine. And it's, it's a player that we haven't had. Uh, we haven't had an, an adequate player in that position for far too long. He looked more silky than silky. Well, quite, you know. Um, But, of course, you know, he's gone. He's out for 16 weeks, which means they're either going to have to buy somebody else like that, which will not be easy, uh, or somebody has to step up. And uh, as I said, I I mean, you know, I don't really know enough because I haven't really seen enough of him. But it seems to me that thus far, Chukwameka seems to be in that role. Is he good enough for that role? We don't know. Gallagher can play that role. Is he genuinely good enough for that role? I would err on. I don't know, really. To be kind, I don't really know who else in the squad can really, you know, play in a in, in that kind of. I mean, you know, you know, you know the irony of this. You know, who would have been ideal to play in that role? Uh, Mason Mount. Hmm. But uh, I don't that, know who we go that to. Ship,
4: that ship has sailed. That ship yeah.
2: has sailed. I think he
0: could have played there, but I think he preferred to play forward.
2: Well, I I think it is quite a forward role. I mean, I I don't see Chukwemeka's role necessarily as defensive. I mean, you could say it's a traditional number eight because he he could say he's box to box. So at one, at one point he's making a three man midfield. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I like to think that what you've got there in a four two three one is six defensively minded players and four attacking minded players. So Mudrik. Whoever plays where Chukwameka will may well play, and Sterling and Jackson are part of a unit. So really, that role there, that Chukwameka role, is he he binds the, the the midfield to the attack essentially, you know. But That's he also gets that... he, he also gets forward and plays off whoever's number nine.
0: Yeah, you're right. Isn't that more the position McGallagher should be playing, really?
2: Well, I see, you know, give him a go. I mean, he gets such a hard time, and you get all these people going, all he does is run around, All he, he's look a Labrador, even we've said that. You know, he's got rubbish touch, you know. Yeah, but he has, or hasn't he? Because when he played for, for Crystal Palace, he looked to have excellent touch, great technique, and he knows where he, as they used to say in the old days, he knows where the goals are, you know? And he he can crack a few goals in, you know, I... I, I personally, in the absence of Nkunku, would stick Gallagher there. and that So goes- there's
0: the possibility, Chidge, that Chukwameka may not play tomorrow and Mudrick may not play left wing either. Why would Mudrick not play left wing? I don't know. I've just, you know, the number of times we've been certain about
2: Oh Christ! Yeah, I mean, election. We, yeah, and then
0: yeah. they come up with something else. We haven't know, got there's... a
2: Scooby, let's be honest. But uh, I mean, you know, Lewis Hall
0: suddenly, Lewis Hall suddenly appears. Yeah,
2: no, he's gone. He's gone, hasn't he? He has gone Is officially. He? Yeah, he's gone on loan. He's
4: gone to crib- he's gone to crippled Dallas. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. So they'll be trying to buy him next summer. Uh, I mean, you know, it's such a tragedy that we've got yet another key injury. I mean, it just does my head. And I mean, we could sit here and moan about the pitch and the risks involved with that, I suppose. But you know but it's not going it's not going to make him uninjured is it um so there we go so yeah i think there's a concern there That for me in this side there is still a creative concern mark that's how i would put it
4: that no, i wouldn't I, I wouldn't disagree and I, I think we have to wait and see what sunday brings what the lineup is and do we have a situation where first half of the season i think we might do um we're running out of time, now. There's not many weeks left in the transfer window. And even the players we're linked with, they aren't addressing that particular issue to actually replace him. Uh, and do we wait and hope he gets a quick recovery? But at this present moment in time, it varies between he's out for 12 weeks, some are saying he's 16 weeks, some are saying he's not back to the new year.
2: Yeah.
4: And that's a real, real loss. And you might get a bit of consolation by breaking a few Ed Sheeran records. <laughs> People in the know will know what I'm talking about. Yeah, when well he had a um, concert
2: on the pitch, didn't he? The he did indeed. But, yeah. but
4: again, that's that's just that's that, that's part of your due diligence. Yeah, you know, if you're booking that pitch, you look you look left and you know right of that. What's taking place either either side of it? Yeah, if you were going to play there, play there before Ed Sheeran did. At the end of the day, yeah, yeah. We, we we had this with Loftus Cheek. Loftus Cheek was never the same player after that ridiculous friendly we played in America number no, of no seasons ago. Yeah, I know. And this is a bad injury he's got. You know, well, what has he got? To... Is it
2: is it MCL or ACL?
4: I, I thought it was ACL. Well,
2: yeah. I, I mean ACL is yeah. the worst knee injury you can get. Yeah. and and when yeah. we were kids, that would end your career.
4: Yeah, yeah. Technology is much better now. Yeah, you know, but it's still a bad injury. Yeah, it is. Yeah, for a young, for a young a young man to have, and sometimes players don't come back with the same level of pace, same level of twist and turns. Yeah, no. and he looked in the short period of time. Um, he could player. be a really yeah. a really pr- promising, decent player, and certainly knew where the goal is. The, the other player we haven't talked about is I hope I can pronounce this right, obviously our new big centre half. And, yeah, whether or not he gets a game. Dizazi, really, Dizazi. Or oh actually now, um, and I can't say Axel De Zarzi, thanks to the wonderful Martin Wickham, without thinking of the chorus of Into the Valley. That was genius. Alex
2: Dizazi. Exactly. Brilliant. Genius. Yeah, it is. I like it already.
4: Mr. Wickham, fair play. Uh, Martin. Why did we actually buy Alex Dizarzi, do you think? Because we wanted to have a a player that we could do a Skid song to. (laughs) Ah, okay. (laughs) Simple. A lot of Skids fans were Chelsea fans. Well,
2: I I think also because they can't. Silver's getting on a bit, as we know. Uh, Fafana and Badia Shiel have proven to be injury-susceptible, particularly for Farner. So I think it's actually... I think it's a good buy. And by all accounts, he's a decent player. I mean, he's a French yeah, international. Yeah. So, you know, w- we should praise the club when they're due a bit of praise, and we should excoriate them when they're due for a kicking. And- is this- I, would, I
4: would agree. I, I think that's a potentially really good buy. Yeah, I agree. And, and it gives us you know, four four centre defenders Yeah, and allowing for injuries. And again, Badia Shield... And into the valley, play together, so they've got a partnership and they've got experience and i I don't think at any one time that's not a bad thing no, buying yeah. two central defenders who' played together previously I think is a positive thing no, i
2: i i I think it's a very good buy actually it's a good yeah. bit of business they've done there um j k there is something wonderfully exciting about the first game of this season. there's actually tony who who's about our age actually, and he he, he he's been around the block he knows he knows. And he put it perfectly, really, isn't he? He said, we all have hope before the first game of the season. And and, and as Mark also eloquently put, and then it goes after about 10 minutes. But um, how important do you think it is is to put down a marker in this match? Because Liverpool, I mean, traditional uh, foes of ours. But um, I think given what Tony said, which I was quite surprised about, he he thinks they're about fifth. When we were talking on Monday, I was saying I think Chelsea, you know, would be doing good to be about six. So, we, you know, we could be duking it out, uh, you know, in terms of league positions come the end of the season. So it might, might be a good idea to get one over them over them early, yeah?
0: But it might be too soon because this team may not resemble what we
2: end up with halfway through if the
0: uh, owners keep buying and shuffling it around. Um, but yes, it's, it's always a wonderful opportunity, isn't it, the opening game of the season to to give you an idea of how your team are going to play, you hope. And yet in many instances, yeah, because what you want to happen is you'd love them to do a Mourinho and just win the first 13 games, wouldn't you? That would be absolutely remarkable. It's obviously not going to happen, but that's, that's like the, the benchmark. That's the marker. You want them to, to come in and blow all the opposition away. So to, to come in and beat Liverpool 4-0 would be the stuff of dreams, but it's not going to happen that way. I'd just be pleased if they put in the kind of, of slick, pressurised, energetic performance that we didn't see last season. I think that the fact that we, we're we going to put, compare them against the yardstick is going to be the awfulness of last season. To see a team coming in and actually playing competently will be will be such a beautiful thing to observe because we can then banish what happened. And I think we're going to get that. I think what we will get is effort and, uh, and skill.
2: And we didn't get any do, of that. Do you know what? Week. Something's just occurred to me. As as they do, um, I mean, in a way, what you're saying is actually re- where we where we are right now. It's performance that matters really, rather than result, and that's reminded me of, uh, you know, we said a lot last season. We called we called Potter Potterfield, didn't we? Quite a lot, yeah. Because in in every way, shape, or form, he resembled the poor old departed Ian Potterfield. And that season, and then obviously Webby came in, a Chelsea legend who'd won stuff with us and kept us up a bit like a certain Frank Lampard. And then, of course, we had Glenn Hoddle. And, of course, you know Glenn, Glenn's Chelsea managerial career didn't start massively brilliantly. But what we saw was a complete change from the shit that we'd seen before. And I'm wondering if we're going to perhaps see a bit of a repeat of that, that we're not going to see Instant success, which is what we all clamor for and what we've seen for the majority of the last 20 odd years or so, but we might start to see the signs of a, a, a you know a very different kind of way that Chelsea plays, a very different style and some proper kind of building going on, mark.
4: I would agree I, I think the performance is more important. It's going to take a while, I think, for a lot of people to banish last season, so I think as it's all come out in the wash since. Reading and hearing about players that have long since thrown the towel in, didn't want to be there. You've talked previously about that Frank Lampard interview and how difficult it was to manage in that mad environment. So we've gone through a really horrific period, people just not caring about the shirt they had on. So actually to have a group of 11 players up in the first game, really care about the Chelsea football club, want to be there, want to succeed, Solid example of Reece James James's captain and said we need to get back as quickly as we possibly can to winning trophies is all positive. So I think if we play well, it's a good performance, I think there's a step in the right direction. We are lucky. This could be my you know famous, famous last words, as an opening six or seven games, it's not a bad start. So there's there's potential there, even if we don't beat Liverpool 4-0 on Sunday, the games that come early on. You'd like to think that there's a, a fighting chance we can make a good, good start in August and September. You know, we've got Luton at home, we've got Forest at home, we've got Bournemouth away, where we did win last season. I was uh, there. Got, yes, exactly. Yeah, we've got we've got Villa, we've got Fulham away, and we don't play what you would say is one of the top four sides until the 21st of October, when we play Arsenal. So we've almost got a good two months. Out. Oh no! Obviously, we've got the one. Is that as Trafalgar well. Day? Well, it probably won't be. On I think Trafalgar it is twenty first. Twenty first. They'll, 21st they'll, they'll 21st. move it. They'll probably move it to the Sunday. Why? Yes.
2: Not, not if it's Trafalgar Day.
4: Oh, they might. They might. It's, it's no, 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 Memo- no. They'll they'll, no. To- they'll toast the
2: immortal memory with a glass of rum and go out and play, mate.
4: <laughs> if only. If only. Yeah, I can imagine the Sky executives sitting there planning their schedule for October and saying. Who we got on October the 20th? Oh, Chelsea-Arsenal, 4.30 on a Sunday. Oh, definitely. No, it's Trafalgar day. No, no, we can't possibly move it.
2: Well, if they do move it to 4.30 on a Sunday, we can have a Troubadour gig, can't we?
4: Yes, yes, we can. We can can talk about that later. So it's a good start. But I think what's also important is the first day of the season Mm. is really important. We've had time off. I'm probably like you. I've not really bothered looking at football that much. I'll be saying on Sunday, who's he, who's he, who's he? Who's he? And that's who's just he? the people at the stall. And that's just the people at the stall and the people probably sitting around me. Oh, ooh, yeah, they weren't <laughs> here last season. But I think the really important things as well is it's coming out of Fulham Broadway station, seeing the people you see outside the station, yeah, yeah. going past Kim's stall, chatting to Kim, you know, Bob the t-shirt stall as well. Cross over the road, go at the CFC UK stall, talk to the people there. When you head down to the ground, you pass stall. You'll see Alex outside. Alex is the guy that does, he's the veteran that does the bucket collection most home games. Yeah, you, know, you talk to Alex, you probably give a bit of money to Alex as well. you probably see one of Dave's many street urchins selling the fanzine for only a bound in, in between the ground. And, and, and you, you, at the, in... you at the food bank? Oh yeah, I'll be, I'll be at the food bank as well. So please, yeah, people come along, bring bring along yeah, essential items um, to the food bank on Sunday. You'll bump into people going in, you'll get into your seat, you will see the people you know, because ninety nine point nine percent of the season ticket holders have renewed this season, and why? Why would they not? Despite despite last season, you say hello to people. You may not know the names, you speak to them. That's all really important. I know
2: what will happen to me. I'll get into my seat, and there'll be somebody sitting there
4: <laughs> every
2: fucking game.
4: No, but that that's that's really important. That's part of it. I've learned yeah, how part... to be
2: really nice to them now after twenty yeah. years.
4: Yeah, but that's part of the community. That's what that's why you go. It isn't always. Uh, and some people can learn, and hopefully they've learned a valuable lesson. Last It isn't always the be-all and end-all. The 90 minutes is the bonus if then we turn in and put a good performance in, we play well, and we win and get three points. If if we played football in an empty stadium and there was no one, it would be dull and boring. It's the people that go yeah. that make that, that spectacle as well. Inside and outside the ground. It's in the pubs. people where they go to the pub before the game, go after the game. That's all part of it, and that's really important about the first game of the season, because in most cases you haven't actually seen most of these people all summer long.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, that was a Churchillian, I think, wasn't it, JK?
0: I don't think that way at all. Well,
2: it's because you don't do any of that. No, exactly. No, you just... you get you get you get you know you get delivered outside the front of Stanford Bridge in a gold Bentley. <laughs> And yeah. then you get, you know, those kind of like in the 17th century. Sedan they used chairs. To, yeah, they, yeah chairs. they're little kind of chairs in a box and yeah. they had little yeah. servants yeah. to to take them there. They, and they take, carried. Yeah, they carry you and, to, and the, to the and east end. And then the stand.
4: butler brings you the quail's eggs as a starter. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's that's perfect, isn't it? You yeah. look yeah. forward to the
0: quail's eggs. Yeah. And it's the the, the the duck pies. I've got a picture of the duck pies with Chelsea crests on them, actually. I've actually got a real picture of that. Yeah.
2: Do, they, they, do they have blue eggs?
0: Blue eggs. No, we don't get the blue eggs. Then we just get the blue, uh, the blue Chelsea. Badge on top yeah. of the pie. Lovely, lovely. lovely. You,
4: you, you don't get a gift where you sit, though, do you, J.K.? A gift. A gift. Yeah, they they give you a little hospitality bag in some parts of hospitality. Oh yeah, they do. Yeah, no, we're past that. We don't get. No, that. you don't get that. You know, no. yeah. pay yeah, cause extra they, for that. They,
2: they
0: know we're going to be back next week. I think they're, <laughs>
4: exactly. back they're never back again. You know? yeah. I don't want another notebook. You know. Yeah, I enough. don't want another <laughs> whiskey glass. Yeah. J.K.
2: Um, how do you see it going on Sunday? 2-2. Uh, 2-2. Two, two. Two,
0: yeah. I think we'll score. I think we'll score twice. I think we're that good. I think we'll get the ball. That one of the one of the things watching the once again I'll used the preseason. I don't want to use preseason too much because it's preseason. But um, he gets players into the box because it's just so much more energized, and he gets people up there and he pushes them to to the uh, to the side. Um, with uh, there, there's a there's a uh, as I say keep saying there's an intensity about the way they play which prevents the opposition from playing, and that's the way that Pochettino wants to play and he's got we have to remember that on their on their day both Chilwell and James are fantastic players silver is world class Colwell at the moment is a um, an unknown quantity but is supposed to be a great player um, uh midfield fernandez has yet for me to play the way that he played in the world cup and i'm looking for that to happen um uh jackson uh, uh looks a real um bu- a bundle of tricks he's is a he's, a he's a um is a very clever, great feat. Um, really interesting ability to get the ball on target. Um, shoots from wherever. Uh, so, I, I, and, and Mudrick is this this unknown quantity who could easily just take the game away from them with one moment of trickery. So, I'm I'm um, uh, I'm I'm very intrigued and fired up for for watching them play because I I think we're going to be
4: really impressed. Actually,
2: oh, I love your optimism. It's the beginning of the season. That's what it's all about. What
4: about you, Mark? He's right. It is what it's all about. And, and if you think, 40 years ago, the first day of the season, and I might make reference during the course of the season several times. So this is the 40th year anniversary of the eighty-three, eighty-four 84 side. We brought in a hell of a lot of new players of that eighty-three, eighty-four. None of
2: whom we really knew.
4: None of whom we really knew, Um and we started against a very good side at the beginning of the season that most people's favourites would have been for promotion that year. And some of those new players in the first minutes, you know, certain Nigel Spackman got an early goal and we ran out on the day 5 nil winners. Football can be really unpredictable like that. You make, you make a great start in the first few minutes with high press, anything can happen. The downside is we've got Mr Taylor as referee, but who knows? He might do us a favour and send a Liverpool player off. They're down to 10. Anything can happen in the prem predictions i've gone for a two all draw me too yeah have but, you really yeah. but this is the first game of the season let's be really optimistic and say we're going to beat liverpool 2-1 on sunday okay
2: well um i myself have gone for one all in the prem predictions and i'm going to stick with that i mean we, because we liverpool and chelsea seem to be incapable of doing anything other than than draw against each other i mean The last four league games head-to-head have been nil-nil, plus the two cup matches, as Tony was saying earlier on. Uh, We've only won once in our last 12 uh, Premier League matches. Liverpool have been undefeated for their um, last 11 games of the season, winning seven and drawing four. It was interesting to hear what Tony said about that, that actually that was a bit of a false stat because they weren't that impressive. Um, (coughs) Liverpool have not lost an opening Premier League fixture across the last 10 seasons, having won eight and drawn two. And Chelsea have lost their opening Premier League match only five times in their history. I'm not sure if that's their entire history or Premier League history, but they've won 20 and drawn six, which is quite impressive. Uh, The other notable stat is Mohamed Salah. Uh, A goal against us on Sunday would make him the Premier League's highest scorer on the opening day with nine. What a weird random stat that is. (laughs) But there you go. Yeah, so... We're all going for a draw, really, if, if Mark kind of reneges on his doesn't renege on his prem predictions. Uh... I'll I'll
4: leave my prem prediction, but I'm just gonna go optimistically on, on this show. I think the other thing we should predict, bearing in mind Mr. Taylor is referee, and if there is any risk of time wasting, how many yellow and red cards there will be on well, Sunday? Indeed. Yeah, Marco likes mm. Marco likes that. Well, that's a that's a Mr. Warrell bet. It is definitely that's a Warrell bet. Um, yeah.
2: It'll be lovely to see Marco and DJ tomorrow. I've really missed seeing those two um, over the summer. I mean, we saw DJ at the Troubadour, but uh, sadly not Marco. So I'm really looking forward to that and seeing everybody. Oh,
4: th- oh, on that, that was a lovely afternoon, change the Troubadour. It was.
2: It was, yeah. wasn't it? Um, yeah. Also looking forward to seeing people in the cock. Well, I mean, very much what Mark Mark was saying a minute ago, actually. And I'm, I'm seeing John in the Atlas. I've got a mate of mine coming up who I've got a ticket for. It's going to be a cracker day. I promised I'd go and see Kerry as well before kickoff. So I'll probably get to the Copthorne nice and early. So I'll see you there, Mark, if you're, if you're milling around there. Um, I'm,
4: I'm, I'm I'm down there for the food bank, so I'll, I will be milling around. Yeah, I'll right. be on the stall as well. Okay.
2: Yeah. Well, look, talking of Prem predictions, people, uh, it's already kicked off. Uh, Burnley are losing 2-0 to Man City. So if you haven't put your predictions in for this week, you better bloody hurry up because you've already missed out on one chance to get a score. Um, if you haven't signed up yet, then again, you are incredibly remiss. You still have time. If You, you can sign up n- tonight and you'll still get to have nine picks for the weekend. And it's easy to do. They're on Twitter, at Prem Predictions. Uh, and it's all about predicting the weekly Premier League results and choosing a bonus team who scores first. It's got a fantastic scoring system where you can actually, like JK, have negative points if you get them all wrong. Uh, Tony's a specialist in that as well. Um, it's very competitive. We had about a hundred in the league last year, including Pat Nevin, uh, and Kerry Dixon and Paul Cannival. Mark's going to try and rustle up a few more ex-players that he knows to take part as we well. We got Chris Sutton. I was deliberately not mentioning. I, <laughs> I, I, I did not. I, I did not invite Chris Sutton. Kiro, his gate crashed. Kiro, yeah. who is a yeah. very, who runs the whole thing and is a lovely bloke, a uh, big West Ham fan, but other than that, a lovely bloke. Um, just presumed because Chris Sutton played for Chelsea that he would be welcome in the group. He was only welcome on the basis that everybody saw it as a great opportunity to beat him.
4: Uh, He's probably more welcome than Craig Burley. Oh, I fuck say. me. Yeah, that wouldn't be hard, yeah. would
2: it? But, it, you know, so we hopefully we'll have a few more ex-players as well and they love it. I mean, Mark will tell you this. They They spend their entire time in the hospitality bit bantering each other off about how well they've done or badly they've done. So you get Very to comp- competitive, yeah, yeah. get to compete against them, get to compete, and most of the fancasters take part as well. So it's it is a lot of fun. All you have to do is you go to Prem Predictions, P-R-E-M Predictions dot which is S-C O R E G-E-O-U-S, Scorgeous <laughs> dot co dot UK forward slash sign dot php, and then you'll get in there. That is pinned to the Chelsea fancast Twitter page, by the way. Uh, And if when you get in there, you need to select Chelsea Fancast as your league and then you'll be able to join us. And then you have to pay 20 pounds because basically it it costs you 20 quid to join. But what that 20 quid does, you pay Kiro, but it's all pretty obvious on the on the on the website. Um, But basically what that means is that it, it, it gives Kiro the opportunity to give us lots of prizes so you can win cash. Even you do well in a in a week, you can win prize money. If you do well in a month, you can win prize money and a bottle of scotch. There's all sorts of prizes that go out every month, but uh, many of them are cash, and that's why we all pay our twenty quid. So I commend it to you. It is huge fun, and we love it. So there you go. Prem predictions. It's the future. Right. Um, we will be back uh, on Monday, obviously, for the uh, the main Chelsea fancast show, and of course I'll be there, as will J K. and the absolutely delightful J K. Clayton Beerman. The housewife's choice the himself. housewife's choice himself. So there you go. 7.30pm <laughs> kick-off for that. And of course, we will be looking back at the match against Liverpool. Um, quick shout-out, Patreon. If you like what you, we do, you can become a Chelsea Fancast patron and that helps us cover the cost of running the shows each week. And blah de blah You blah know, you know the rule by now. Um, There is, honestly, this is so voluntary it's not true. I think no less or better of anybody, whether they do or they don't, it's just a nice way for you to show some appreciation if you want to by paying a little bit of money every month. And you go to patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. And if you do, uh, you will A, definitely get to join our Discord group, which if any of you listen live on Mixler, um, it's basically like Mixler 24-7. Lots of great chat between mates who love Chelsea from all over the world. It's great fun. Occasionally, JK and me pop our head round the door to have a look. Uh, And you can also have a Kerry Dixon banner, a mini banner, a replica of the one that hangs up at the Matthew Harding end. Uh, So there you go. So do come and join us on Patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. The other thing, of course, Monday shows are quite often email shows or a little bit of it is an email show. So if you want to get in touch with us, uh, you can email ChelseaFancast at gmail.com and we will read them out. Preferably get them in by the end of the day Sunday so uh, they can get in the Monday show. Uh, or the separate show that we do called In Off the Post. So there we go. And of course, you can follow us uh, on social media at Chelsea Fancast at at Stamford Chish, at Jonathan Kidd and Mark is at Eddie Mac B A W A. Isn't that right, Mark?
4: It is indeed.
2: Great to have you on our first kind of proper show of the season. We're, we're very right. honoured, you know, because you are a very important person these days.
4: You're not you're not <laughs>
2: just did. old Mark Meehan from the Fancast or, or from <laughs> CFC UK anymore. We have to doff our hat to you, mate.
4: <laughs> I think not. I think not. It's absolutely brilliant to be back on, uh, with absolutely great people, and looking forward to. And me that. and J.K. No, <laughs> and, yeah, I, I meant I meant you and J.K. I wasn't talking about Tony I'm only and Liam. I talk, talk, it, it's oh, I very very enjoyable tonight. Uh, good balance. I thought Liam was very good. I think from an oppositions point of view, he might be a Liverpool fan, but you know Tony does say a lot of good things as well. Uh, yeah. re- very enjoyable this evening. Let's see Let's see what Sunday brings.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait. Really looking forward to it. Uh, JK, uh, as always, a delight seeing your little face on a Friday evening. Thank
0: you. Lovely to be on the show. Terrific show. Terrific guests. Well done. And terrific, aren't me? And so uh,
2: Yeah. what more do you want?
0: What more do you want?
2: What more do you want on a Friday evening? Exactly that. Well, look, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing everybody on Sunday and also coming back on Monday to talk all about it. But uh, you lot out there, particularly the people in Mixler, thanks for listening. See you on Monday. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it Chelsea! Up the Chelsea! Chelsea!